And just, I don't know, several times a year I get a text from him just telling me I just finished praying for you. And, yeah, he prays for me. And he says that in those texts, I pray for you every day. And, uh, and I certainly appreciate that. He's one of those men I call for advice and for help. And uh, brother, I'm glad you came up. Thank you for your friendship. I appreciate it. Love you, brother. You don't want what I've got, but anyway. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. It's okay. I'll just miss the next three days. I was on that airplane. Shirley and I, in front of us, it was going on. Behind us, it was going on. I said, please. I don't want anything going up here to preach. But you know, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And um, in my younger days, uh, preaching, pastoring, I mean, I ripped it out. and Oh, my goodness, we had a great time. And then I talked like this for a few weeks. I do thank God for you. You want to go ahead and find, if you will, most of you probably already know, but First Samuel 17. <clears throat> and um, I didn't have to use my little lighty lighty, so I put it in the van out there. But in the meeting I was in the other day had a fluorescent light here, and I'm not complaining. And it was shining this way, and I already got in trouble. And uh, I could have used a flashlight that day. Preacher, God bless you. Thank you all for everything. And thank you all for staying strong, staying straight. I, I knew uh, um, on the message this morning, I, I actually knew before I went to the pulpit, but I had to preach what I feel, you know, that the Lord wants me to preach. But uh, I, I knew that this is one of those unusual churches where there's just a lot of second-mile Christians. Now, I asked the pastor if I could do that because it got a little warm and you know what that does with a sore throat, I think. Um, and uh, if you'll forgive me for that, I sure would appreciate that. Uh, I love the, <clears throat> I love seeing church the way church ought to be. I love seeing people get baptized. It's been a while. Now we have in our church we have somebody ready to be baptized right now, but got saved earlier, and they joined here just a little while back, but. I hope you don't take. I hope you don't take for granted. I said this last time I was here. I hope you don't take for granted what you got. Um, guard, put up a guard um, around. I, I, I told you this morning. I, I know I had preached eight thousand, nine. I don't know how many thousand times. Never get used to it. Always nervous about it. You young guys, I, there's been a couple of ordinations here. These old preachers. We may act like we got it. We don't. Well, we step up here still with awe, and we still step up here begging the Lord to just just let us preach the Word, you know, be straight. I ask God to put stuff in my brain, um, and, you know, help me to say what I'll say, help me not to say things I ought not say. There have been times when I've said things I should not say. Uh, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure of that. I don't know a preacher alive that hasn't, um, but... I just want you to know, I thank God for you. I love you. I love your pastor, his family. I appreciate you all so much. appreciate the prayers as well. <clears throat> what I mentioned this morning, I'm going to stay with, and it is on the subject of killing your own giant. Um, after being a pastor for 35 years, I've, I've watched people thinking that they were winning and they were warning, and they were preparing somebody else. And, and this is what should happen. But, but in many times, they thought that there are rules. And I'm, by the way, I think you folks that know us know we've, we stayed straight and strong and right uh, in our church. <clears throat> but, but there have been people that, that I have pastored that thought just because they could shout out the commands... And, and get obedience out of their children that they were preparing them to, to win. And sadly, sadly, so many young people today, even those that I have pastored, um, are out. 
they're gone. And part of the reason, I think, is is because, and, and this is a message, uh, it, it's got a, a few different rabbit trails that I'll run here and there. But sadly, the thought was, um, we'll, we'll give them the marching orders, we'll have them do this, not explain why, we'll have them do that, and it's kind of like this, you do what I tell you. Um, and that's not going to do it. That's really not going to do it. Now, what I, what I would like, and this pastor here would like, and I know probably most of you in here would like, is that, that these young people that are in this, in this place and under this ministry will kill their own giants, will we'll deal with their own lives. Now, I'm that kind of preacher that I, I can get down there where it's at. I, in, in fact, name sin. Are y'all with me? Name it. It's not a generic thing, which I will use the word sin, but that sin is a big, big subject. But to get it down specific, uh, sometimes preachers are afraid they're going to offend somebody. Uh, I don't want to offend the Lord. if, if if, If I pander to the audience, then you have become my Lord for that moment. And we can't have that. We, we just can't have it. Preacher, by the way, brother, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Thank God for you. We have prayed for the people in Ukraine. And um, I'm glad it took you on here. Let's go to God in prayer. I, I, can, I can do all that talking. I can talk. Ask the pastor. He knows I can talk. Anyway, Lord, thank, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the good day we've had. And, Lord, you've got this. This throat, you got it. Uh, you weren't caught off, off guard about this. You knew all about this. And uh, so here I am. I just ask you, Lord, if you will, help me in spite of this limitation. Help me say things that will help us, everyone, I pray. And again, as I prayed this morning, and my desire is that you'll get the honor, you'll get the glory, you'll get the praise. The victory will be yours. And if there's anything won in here, God, you will get the glory for that. And we're going to thank you and honor you for all you're going to do in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. In uh, 1 Samuel 17, most everybody here has heard somebody preach. Somebody has preached on this subject. Um, and, and most of you know. Most of you know the story. I've heard all kinds of stuff. But I want to take us to this text and just give a few thoughts. And the reason I use the pronoun your um, giant in my title is because I've had giants that you haven't had. And I've had giants in my life, giants, spiritual giants, in, 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 in the form of things that were not right, that had to be dealt with by me in my life. Nobody else could deal with them. Nobody else could. And there were things, when I, when I became a Christian, immediately I began to see some of these giants in my life. Some of them I struggled with for a little while, <clears throat> you know. Uh, I wasn't like some people. They quit this and that, you know, just like that. I was, I was one of those fellers that I, I fought it. And um, I fought several things. Um, I know some of y'all might, might have been here when I preached that, that message on getting over it or going through it. Might have been the title of it. I can't remember right now. But I had my things. I had my little its I had to deal with in my life. They were little its. So, yeah, they were, they were, they were giants. They really were. <clears throat> but anyway, there we go. <coughs> I think some... Olive oil would be good right now to oil this thing up, you know, get her, get her calm down. But anyway, um, every, not everyone's giants are the same. Listen, I know this. What I know is this. There are people in this building, you would never stand up and tell what your giants are, but you know what they are, and you know what you've been dealing with. I don't have to know what they are. I don't, I don't really have to know that because it's not my giant. But now, there are things that I have to deal with in my own personal life. No, there, 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 there are giants that I killed early on in my Christian life that I've never gone back to. I'm not going to name them. I don't think I need to name them right now. But anyway, they were mine. And, and I was the only one that could deal with those giants. But, but anyway, uh, here in 17, <clears throat> chapter 17, 1 Samuel, 26 through 30. 26 through 30. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man uh, that killeth, or the man, that killeth this Philistine? 
and taketh away the reproach from Israel. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be uh, done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. <clears throat> For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Okay. Now, so here's David. And, and the first thing you need to know about this is, Goliath was not Eliab's giant. Mark that one down. The reason he wasn't chosen by the Lord is because it wasn't his giant. Say, well, he could have done a better job than David. No, he couldn't. No way he could. In 1731 down through 38, watch this one, 17, uh, same one. Look, if you will, check uh, 31. Let's get 31. 30, 38, 31. And when David, um, and, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. <clears throat> and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this, this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and, a, and he a man of war from his youth. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and uh, there uh, came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of his flock. And I went out after him, smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him uh, by the beard, and smote him, slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, <coughs> and this uncircumcised Philistine should be as one of them. This is a youth talking. Seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God second time. David said, moreover, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He didn't call his name, by the way, y'all. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Ha! How religious can he be? But anyway, so, how come Saul didn't go? Listen, if you look back at Saul, don't do it. If you go back to chapter 9, he's head and shoulders higher than anybody. And, and by the way, he's goodliest. The goodliest, they say, is goodliest of all of them. You know what the problem is? Saul could have probably done it, or uh, let's say in the flesh he might have been able to do it. I doubt it. But it wasn't his giant. Are you seeing, the, are you seeing what's happening here? So here's Eliab. He's a smart addict. Hello? He's that one, not his giant. Here's Saul, not his giant. This is the way this thing goes on all the time. The truth, the truth really is, is Saul was the more equal match for this, for this giant. He was more equal. It just wasn't his giant. Now, some of you folks in here are probably trying to fight somebody else in this battle and you need to quit it. I could run a rabbit right there. It just kind of floated through. I need to throw this out. If anybody ever says anything to you about your pastor or his wife, go kill the giant. You know what I used to say? If they tell me, I'm telling my pastor. <laughs> Amen. Dr. Charles Wright was my pastor. I always called him Brother Wright anyway. But he, he got his doctor's honorary after, so I was so used to calling him Brother Wright, Pastor. I love that man, and he's with the Lord, and he'd be the one, Brother um, McGovern, that I'd call up, and especially in the last few years, and say, Brother Wright, what about this? Goliath was not Saul's giant. Maybe you're thinking, so-and-so's got this problem. So-and-so's got that problem. So-and-so may have that problem. And there may be a way that you can help them. But truth of the matter is, is if their giant ever gets killed, slain, and his head cut off, it's going to be them that they will do it. They will do it by the power of God, by the grace of God. They will be able to handle that situation. But I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. 
So Saul, if, had Saul fought the, uh, the giant, he, he could have gloried in the flesh if he'd have done it. That would, that, we wouldn't see that in here. You know the reason why we see what we see in this Word is because God wants us to know and wanted them to know, and I'll prove this in a minute, <coughs> that there is a God in Israel. That's what this was about. And, and they would not have known it through Eliab. They would not have known it through Saul. They could only know it through David. Because David was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. Are you still with me? So watch. And with David, it would be obvious that there was a miraculous victory, would there not? There would possibly not be a miraculous victory with Eliab because we could tell from him that he wouldn't be saying, is there not a cause and God will will uh, help, uh, help me or will defeat it was the Lord's battle, by the way. Eli wouldn't have given God the glory over that thing. Saul definitely was not going to give God the glory over that thing. We know that. By the way, he was a flesh thinker and a flesh walker and a flesh talker. That was the problem with Saul. But anyway, that's the way it is sometimes with some folks. Anyway, it was David's giant. Now, now to my point, and this is where I'm going, and you already know it. You may have something wrong in your life. You may have a secret in your life. You may have something going on in your life. And you may be thinking, by the way, I'm okay with biblical counseling. But I'll tell you this, when people came to want to talk to me about what they had going on, I want to know if they talked to God first. Are y'all with me? I want to know. I, I, was, I pastored. I mean, I, I, I'm ready to talk to folks. I'm ready to try to help them with their problem. But I want to know that they, <clears throat> that they recognize it's a problem that God can help them with and their pastor is not going to be the one that's going to be killing their giant or taking care of their problem. Amen? Your pastor, by the way, I know he's got an open-door policy. Well, let's put it this way. Under the right circumstances, he will, have, he will counsel you. I'm not trying to say anything pastorally here. I'm just trying to tell you, I know he's available. I know he's ready, but I know he'd want to know that you've been to God about it first. You've talked to the Lord about it first. You've asked God for the wisdom <clears throat> the wisdom to deal with your situation before you've ever come to him. That's the way we want it. That's the way I want it. Anyway, no one else can win your special battles. And the reason we have a crisis in our young people, young people, listen to your pastor. It happens to be me that's preaching at this moment. But young people, your, your parents, they'll try to keep you in church. They'll uh, probably have family devotions with you. They'll have prayer with you at home. They'll talk with you. They'll, uh, they'll try to prepare you for once ahead. And, but there's only so long that they, that they can keep you focused. And only so long that they can... And by the way, I believe in parental authority. I have a message that I preach on the serpent is behind the hedge. And this comes out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Whoso breaketh the hedge, serpent, the serpent shall bite. Okay? So God has hedges, and the hedges of authority would be governmental, would be parental, they would be pastoral. Are you with me? There would be Holy Spirit would be a hedge, and the Word of God is a hedge. And I'm not preaching that message. I'm just giving you an idea right here. This is mostly for the young people. Don't mess with the hedges. The serpent will bite. In other words, it will cost you. It will cost you to go against the authorities that God has set in your life. But anyway, <clears throat> we have a crisis in our young people. I've seen it personally, and even in my own family. And uh, I love my kids, love my grandkids, but I'm just telling you, I can't fight their battles. I can't kill their giants. But my wife and I can still stay strong and stay straight and live for God and keep it right and stay in church and stay in love and stay in the Bible and pray together daily and hug each other and love each other. And so they have no excuse that they can use mom and dad. You know, they got in a more liberal church. They, you know, they hit and miss. And, and I love them and they're good people and they love God and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we, have, we cannot, will not. The reason that we're faithful to church and faithful to our Bible is because we're faithful to God. But, the, uh, but the, um, the byproduct of us staying straight and strong and right and not giving an inch is I don't ever want a child of mine or a grandchild or a great-grand or a sibling. or, or fr- I don't want anybody to ever use me for an excuse for how they live or how they don't live. But back to our young people. 
Young people, uh, uh, your parents love you. They want you to do right. They want you to live right. But there's some battles you're going to have to fight yourself. They're going to teach you. They're going to try to bring you up. They're going to try to tell you what the Word of God says. Every grandson I've got, every time I send them a birthday card, I put Proverbs chapter 4. If you don't know what it says, go read it. Okay? That's the, that's the text that comes down to the end. It says, keep thine heart with all diligence. The word keep. It's right. You, you garrison. You, you guard. You've got to keep that heart. And young, I know I'm on young people at this point right here, but I'm just telling you, no one else can cut off the head of your giant. Oh, I feel rabbit trails coming and just coming this way and I'm coming that way. <laughs> In my life, some of the greatest blessings that have come our way. Oh, I'll back it up. I'll say just about every blessing that's come our way that can be used for the cause of Christ and the glory of God have been perverted. And right there's one of them. Yep, right there. And there are others. I, you know, I remember this thing about television. Yeah, television. We shoot in television, right? That's evil. Truth matter is, is, if you can't handle television, I don't trust you in public. That's right. Yeah. That's kind of like the Stoics sit on top of a pole for, what, 20-something years? Like that's going to keep them clean. Now, they're not, not going to kill their giant up on top of a totem pole. But anyway, 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 no one else can cut off the head of your giant. Quit waiting on somebody else to do it. Somebody else to kill your giant. <laughs> well, that's why j- jails and prisons are full. You'd be surprised how many people in jails and prisons that, are, used to be in a, that were raised up in a fundamental independent Baptist church. No, no. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Had a girl. Had a, had a family in my church. I, I don't, I'm just telling you, this is fact. If you can't take fact, I'm sorry. I have family in my church. Good family. Had their kids, raising up their kids, right? All right, in my church. The young lady marries a man, Bible school. Bible, Bible school, that's where they met. Things went wrong, and when they went wrong, he goes and kills a man. He, tri- he travels several hundred miles up to the man's door. Raised in my church. Pretty much raised in my church. That man's in prison. He was never a member of my church, but she was. Young people, you, your parents can tell you. Maybe you're thinking, boy, this is about my young people. Well, this is the future of the church. Guess what? Hey, I'm looking around. I'm going in churches, preacher. I'm going in churches where I, I see everybody's gray-headed like me and old. Church can't die. That's why this message, the morning message there. I got another message I preach, invading my ter- my place. I want to tell you something. The, the Bible, that's another message. But anyway, the Bible says that, that, that the devil is the God, little g, of this world. So when I'm going out there, I'm invading his place. Are you with me? Well, anyway, back to the message. Now. For all of us, I have to say, again, no one can win my spiritual battle. And I'm not going to win it in the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to be... Oh, there it went. Anyway... Got to be ready. Got to be ready to deal with it in your life. Anyway, 
The reason David did fight Goliath <coughs> is that he did not see the battle as his. He saw the battle as the Lord's. Now, it's a beautiful text, but verse 45 down through 47, I think is where we want, 45 through 47. Watch this, 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou camest, or thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Whoa, I love that. Don't y'all love that? This day, not next week, not when we vote you out. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day, there it is again, unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. And you're reading it in your Bible. Verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew near nigh, rather, to David, that David hasted and ran toward the army. Oh, I love it. Ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it. That's South Georgia for he slung that thing. And smote the Philistine in his forehead. <coughs> that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. This is amazing. He fell forward. He got hit right there. It didn't knock him that way. He fell flat. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in his hand or in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran. <laughs> He's feeling right good right there. He ran, stood upon the Philistine. Now, I'm telling you, I got, I've got, I'm a visual person. When I read the Bible, I'm visual. I see David run over there and hop up on him in the chest. Take that sword. Wonder what was running through the minds of those other people standing around there, waiting to fight, thinking that their giant was going to kill David. Ooh, that's a good one. Anyway, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath thereof, and slew him and cut off his head therewith. Now, by the way, I'm reading this for a purpose. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. So what has this got to do with this? Well, the Philistine was six cubits. He had six pieces of armor. And his spear was six on his shekels. His number tells us. Yeah, he's got that mark on him, hasn't he? And the good thing is, is it's a good example of the way God deals and the way God works. But anyway, I, I like it that he's got that number of men on him. But anyway, whack, his head is off because one young man, he might not have known for sure that it was his own personal giant. But he ran two times. The Bible says he ran toward this giant. He didn't run from it. He didn't ignore it. And he didn't say, I don't think I want to fight this battle today. And I'm just getting somewhere. Could be you're in here and you already know what your giant is. Now, I'm going to name some. It could be you're in here and you already know what your giant is. You might be thinking, I know he's going to get to it. I've sat where you sit. Oh, yeah. When Brother Wright, when I was, I got saved. I'm just telling you. When I got saved, I was smoking. No, I'm just telling you. 28 years old, smoking. It's wrong. It's just another nail in the coffin. But every time Brother Wright would preach, I, I was, you know, out back there. It didn't matter. Pastor, it didn't matter where I sit. I always felt like he's pointing at me. And, I, I mean, I was under a load of conviction all the time. Don't ignore conviction. The best friend you got 
really, the best friend you and I have is the Holy Ghost of God. Convicting. I pray for it. Say, no. You better believe I do. I suggest you pray. Here's a good prayer. Lord, point out anything. Well, you know, I can tell you one, Psalm 139. I won't go over there. But just ask God to point anything out in your life that He doesn't want in your life or He wants change in your life. And then trust Him to speak to your heart. And when you know what that giant is, oh, that's my sword. You cut that head off. Oh, well, the smoke, I use a smoking one. I've probably told that one here before. I've got on a good Holy Ghost conviction. If you don't know what that is, I'm sorry. <laughs> but good Holy Ghost conviction is when you get really upset with the preacher. <laughs> because you think somebody in the church went and told him, and it wasn't really anybody in the church. It was the Lord that told him, say this. <laughs> he don't even know. He doesn't have a clue. And you may look at him and think, he's, he's talking right at me. My wife has gone. She's told on me. We've had kids in the nursery before that said stuff that wasn't true about their parents. I'm just saying. But all I'm saying is this. If, if you don't deal with your giants, they're going to deal with you. If, if, you, if you don't put the head off of your giant, you're going to be hurt. I'm just telling you this as a pastor. I'm saved. I'm born again. Washed in the blood. But I can't trust me without Him in me. See, God gave the Holy Spirit of God to us. We have Him. You're saved. If you're not saved, by the way, if you're here and you're not saved, you, don't have, you do not have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You may have a moral conscience and you may, you know, you may have some morals and all that. You, you don't have the Holy Spirit of God in you. But now He will speak to your heart, but it will be from the outside. But the Spirit of God is resident in us. What? No, you're not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which you have. Of God, and you're not your own, for you bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. This is Bible. I'm just all I'm saying here, right here at this point, is is let God show you what your spiritual giant is that you've got to cut the head off of. Smoking wasn't the only one. I had some others, but I still remember the day when the head of that giant came off. I know I'd be dead today if I had not dealt with that giant in my life. And thank God that Brother Wright was not afraid to preach the Bible to me like I was. Uh, let me talk to myself a minute. It sure is sad when I go in churches and I can tell they're just afraid that the people that give money are going to get upset because they say something about this, that, or the other. Okay, I'm back to y'all now. Deal with your giant. Six cubits, six pieces, 600 shekels. Now, listen to this one. Goliath had four brothers. And David and or his men killed those four. What does that tell me? You, you, you and I don't just have one giant. You kill one, you got some more. Right? There's some people get pride over some that they kill. Now they got to deal with the pride. You know? So, so here's Goliath. And he's got four brothers. And they're dealt with. You can read about them in the Scriptures. But anyway, David and his men, as I said, slew them. Don't expect to win by killing one thing in your life. Some, some folks, that I've, I've been there, I've pastored, some people, they win one victory, and they've they got it all now. They, you know, boy, everything's fine and wonderful. But that's not always the case. There's some more stuff. Not to mm, lay out my life, but when I got saved, I wasn't raised in church. My, my aunt down the road, down the road, took me to church some every now and then. But folks, I had to deal with this and this and this and this. This was this was a lot of stuff was in the early days of my Christian life, and I'm telling y'all, I wouldn't be here tonight 
if it hadn't been for the Spirit of God pointing out the giants in my life that were going to hold me down and keep me back and make me sick and defile me, I'd not be here. If it hadn't been for the sweet Holy Spirit speaking to me in my heart and me being willing to hear what He was saying to me personally. I have been able to talk to other people and say, this is what you need to do. You need to deal with this and so forth. Only they in their heart of hearts can actually deal with it by the grace of God and with the power of God on their life. God, by the way, God will help you to win any battle in your life. It doesn't matter what it is. No one will ever stand before God and say, I just couldn't do it because God didn't give me the strength to do it. Oh, yes. If you want to win, if you want to kill your giants, all you got to do is trust God with it, turn it over to Him, be broken in heart and spirit, and know you have got to deal with it. Oh, I know. I I think you're probably still thinking, He said He was going to name some. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to name some of the giants. You ready? Let's just say generic sin. Okay? Then let's get more specific. What about unfaithfulness? Well, the Lord understands. I've heard that till I'm sick of it. The Lord understands my situation. I've had people tell me, and upstairs have an understanding. He's not the man upstairs. This is part of, this is part of the, the trickery of Satan to humanize God and to deify man. He's not the man upstairs. He is holy God. Holy God. Unfaithfulness. Worldliness. Um, Florence mentioned this morning something that Shirley had said. After we went to Florida, you know, we live, you know, say people, we don't, we don't go to the beach, we go to the coast, but <clears throat> uh, and we do that when it's real cold. That is the truth, honestly. I'm, I'm just saying it's back. But anyway, I think. Some sort of the quote that she said was that Shirley said, we're just, trying to get, we're just trying to get people to put clothes on or something like that. Did she tell you that? She quoted you to me today and said that you had told her that. I'm quoting her. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Back, we were there all those years, you know. <clears throat> yeah, true. Worldliness. Worldliness is generic. What's worldly? Well, your pastor can deal with that one. Right. That's right. And I, I trust that. Right. Worldliness. That one right there is a giant. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing some of these preachers. Hello, you young guys that have been ordained lately. Look like a preacher. Right? Yeah, look like a preacher. You don't, you don't need to make your, if you have a congregation, you don't want to try to make them your best friend because you come where they are. You want them to come up. Right? Yeah. Worldliness. Listen, listen, but we get on past that one. <clears throat> what about this matter of unforgiveness? Had a preacher the other day. I don't even know who he was talking about, so I can say it. I had a preacher the other day tell me that a man that he loved and respected so highly in his life. He, he had influenced him in so many ways. So I don't know the man. I don't care. I didn't ask. And I'll never, I will not ask. But he, t- he told me that he heard this man that he highly respected and loved made this statement about another man. He said, I will never forgive him. And the person that has that attitude in life will never have God's blessing and God's grace and God's peace on their lives. They will not have that joy of God that God wants us to have as believers. If you have an unforgiving heart, you've been done wrong. By the way, I don't know a believer that hasn't been done wrong some way. <coughs> but you, can, you, can, you, you cannot have 
the blessing of God, the anointing of God on your life. You cannot have that with an unforgiving heart. You don't understand. I don't have to understand. <clears throat> I know you've heard this one before, but the root of bitterness is the pill that you take that you think's going to hurt somebody else. Unforgiveness. Oh, here's a good one. Laziness. That's a, by the way. Oh, boy, again. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a, a line that I don't want to step over here. But for the young people, is. Um, Well, you young guys that are going to get married, you ought to already have some stuff in your life, some giants you kill, where they don't have to go, go around and clean up your mess and hang up your clothes and put your stuff away and act like you're a kid. All right, that's past now. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> Laziness. The Bible says, man, it won't work, shouldn't eat. Woo, that put a lot of people on diet, wouldn't it? Anyway. Woo. Anger. Say, preacher, all these things are coming. We know them. Yeah, are you still angry, though? Cut that head off. Oh, it's coming and going. Gray matters jumping this way and that way, saying, oh, man, say this, say that. Anger. Did you know, did you know that Christian people can get angry? But they better get it. I mean, if it's in a hot moment, they better get it right and get it quick. I'll tell you what I believe. I, th- I think anger will all anger will be some other stuff. Anger. You know, you can say something you're angry that you can never take. Cut that head for that giant. Learn how to live in peace. We got to do it. Say, preacher, then you probably walk on water. No, I don't. We have a problem in traffic, especially in Anchorage, Alaska. I don't know where the curbs are. I don't know. Wow. Oh, jealousy. Cut that head off. Well. can tell that the preacher has so-and-so, and I'm just saying, has so-and-so to sing more than me. You know there are people, you know what? A person that's jealous over, over who's the singing and who's not singing should never get up, up here and sing. In my church, yours, or anybody else's. I mean, listen, singing is for the glory of God. If you've got a jealous spirit and it bothers you, and I know some, not here. They, no, no, not here. But they've got a jealous spirit, and, and, and they, they're jealous over somebody else singing or doing this or that. Cut the, cut the head off of that. That's your giant. That's going to keep you back from the blessing of God in your life. Coming on down, lust. Usually when you use the word lust, you're talking about um, issues of immorality, things like that. I have preached before, not knowing anything, thank God, and seen some people that got a victory in their life that saved their marriage. If you've got a problem with pornography... Only you can kill that giant. Only you can do it. Sir, by the way, ma'am, it doesn't matter. Young, young person, I don't know your life, I'm just preaching. But only you can kill that giant. Some people think that they can get rid of this, and that's the victory. That's not necessarily true. In other words, the means of, of, of getting that, that's not necessarily 
that's something that has to be dealt with personally in the heart between that person and God. Cutting the head of that giant off, it's going to ruin you. It'll ruin you. By the way, it always shows up. Always. Pride and fear. Fear. Listen, you can't live under a cloud of fear. The sky's falling. You'll lose your joy. You'll lose your joy if you live under the fear of what's going to take place in this land here pretty soon. We got stuff that we don't agree with going on right now, and we're fearing. We're really people living under fear. And listen, if I let it go and if I soaked up the mess, but I don't. But if I soaked up all this stuff coming in from every direction, you know, news and all this stuff, I could get under some fear. But that's not a giant that I want to live under. No. There waits for me a glad tomorrow where gates of world, uh, uh, gates of God swing open wide. I've got a better world waiting on me than this one right here. And I can tell you right now, I cannot live under fear. I'm not going to live under fear. I have got it's bankrupt on that and just trust God that he's got this. It's just like this right here. It's just a little thing. Lord willing, it'll pass. I'll be, I'll be over it and be on. It's not, it's not pretty. I don't like it. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, even yesterday, if I'd have fell under this, uh, if I'd have fell under it, I knew last night, preacher, I knew last night that something wasn't right. I knew it. And I thought, oh, I have to settle that and kill that giant. Revenge. <gasps> Let's just cram all of them together. What about lies? Nobody will ever know. Yes, they will. The Spirit of God knows. Kill that giant. I dealt with somebody four years ago. Four years ago, I dealt with somebody in my life. Was the most proficient liar Christian that I've ever met in my life. I've never even met a lost person that was as good at it. If you're good at it, don't glory in that. No. Kill that giant. If you've got a habit of telling lies, even the young people, you tell lies to your parents, yes, I did that. No, I did. I did that. I did. No. If you're lying, you're lying. Kill that giant. Learn how not to lie. You'll take it into your marriage. Criticism. Oh, that's a giant. You know, one of the easiest things you'll ever do is to become a critic. It's easy. It's really easy. You can even be right and still be wrong. You ever think about that? You can be right and be wrong at the same time. I, you know, pastor, 35 years. And going into church. And having memories of ministry and all that, I had to guard. I really do. I had to guard. I say, preacher, you? I had to guard. You know, because I did it so long. And I'm not saying that we always did it right, but I'm just saying I did it so long. If I gave in to the critical spirit, I could find something wrong with just about everything going on. I can't live that way. That's not the way God wants me to live. Well, anyway, disobedience, discouragement, and all those. And I want to show you why. I've already read it. But I want to show you why that we need to kill our own personal giants. If there's something in your life that you know is not right, God's already told you. I don't have to tell you. The Lord's already told you that. And it's, it's found down there in, in uh, 17, verse 22 through 30. There's a cause. Right up before that. And 29 says there's a cause. There is a cause for us to kill the giants in our lives. There's another one in verse 26. He talks about reproach. When we don't kill our giants, we become a reproach. For example, moms and dads arguing and fussing in front of the children. That's a, that's a giant that's got to be killed. You've got to do it. 
They'll take that very same thing into their own marriage when that time comes. Kill that giant. There's a cause. There's a cause. He causes reproach. I'm sorry. Here we go. And the real cause in verse 46. That all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Kill your giants for God's glory. That's why we ought to do it. And if it just happened to be that you're here and you're lost, your giant will send you to hell because your giant is unbelief. Not receiving Jesus Christ, knowing that you're a sinner and being born again. Maybe you're thinking, i got time, I'll deal with it. You may not have time. Jesus Christ already, as the pastor dealt with this morning, He's already dealt with the giant. He's already put down Satan. The Bible, of course, tells us that he did. But the fact of the matter is, is even though Jesus Christ did deal with sin, the condition of sin, it's up to the lost person to say, I am lost with my heart. I'm lost, and I know it. And my unbelief and my unrepentant, unresponsive heart is going to take me to hell. If you're here and you're unsaved, you must kill the giant of unbelief and bankrupt on yourself and your good works and receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior and be born again. And the head of your giant will fall. Lord, thank you for letting me preach one more time. Even though <clears throat> hindered in this physical way, I want to ask you to have your way. And if there be people in here tonight, Lord, that they know what you've been convicting them about in their lives. You, they know what their giant is. Nobody can slay that giant but them. I pray, I pray, Lord, that they will find themselves broken, repentant, and obedient. And when these battles and live this victorious life with the joy and peace of God that passes all understanding. And for anyone here that may be unsaved, I pray this will be their night to receive Jesus, be born again, and enjoy living this Christian life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, preacher. Amen. That certainly was a help tonight, was it not? There's just a whole lot there. Let me start with this as we go into invitation. One, I do want to let our sound people know we're getting some type of interference coming through these speakers, some other talking. I don't know what it is, but there's something feeding through. Um, first, I want, to, I want to start with what he had finished with. Maybe you're here right now. I want you to think about that. If you're to die right now, if your soul was to depart your body, where are you going? Biblically, this is what's going to happen to you, and this is what will happen. The Bible said it's appointment at once to die, but after this, the judgment. A day will come after your death where you'll stand before Almighty God and He will judge you. He will judge you according to Romans chapter 2, according to His law. He will judge you. And the truth is, just like me, you've broken that law. You will be found guilty. We need to cut that. Turn the sound off.